0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: All right, welcome into the Sweaters Forever podcast on 105.3 The Fan. It is the hockey hawk Gavin Spittle at GJ Spittle on Twitter. How are you doing today, Gavin? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, and I'm Shippy from the KNC Masterpiece 10-2 to on 105.3 The Fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. And, Gavin, on the last podcast, I kind of started off by jokingly saying, how concerned are you about this team after they had lost to the Chicago Blackhawks? And now it seems like there could actually be a little bit of a concern here. This seems like a very inconsistent team, very up, very down. Uh, obviously, they started 1-7-1, and, and then they went on that crazy streak, and now they've dropped four straight, only getting one point in those four. Which of those teams do you think that this team is more like? Do you, do you, think, do you expect to see more of that team that struggled now during this stretch and the beginning of the season or that team that we saw over that incredible month of hockey? I think
2: at this point, what my prediction is, is this is a streak team. Mm -hmm. In that, we're going to see a bunch of wins or points put together. Yeah. And then we're going to see a bunch of losses Mm -hmm. rolled out. Real roller coaster type season. They have reverted back to the beginning of the season. They have. In so many ways, it's amazing... That just a week ago or two weeks ago, you know, we were saying we can't believe we're talking about this, and now today I can't believe I'm having this conversation. I know after what we saw in Canada last night.
1: Yeah, uh, argue. I mean, I think that. I mean, aside from the Buffalo game, uh, was that on MLK Day? I believe. Yeah. Um, the Buffalo game, I think that last night's game, the Winnipeg 5-1 to loss is much worse than that one. They looked like they didn't even belong on the, the ice with the Jets. And Corey Perry came out after the game and basically said, look, we just weren't ready. We weren't ready to play. We were slow executing. We were slow moving the puck. And if you play slow in this league, teams are going to jump all over you. Our game is playing quick and jumping on other teams and making they, them chase us. We did not have that tonight. Outside of Anton Hudobin,
2: there was not a Dallas star that played well last night. Yeah, I loved... Uh, I watched the postgame on Fox Sports Southwest. I absolutely loved that the microphones were able to catch Corey Perry because what he said, Yeah, he just came out and
1: said it. Right, and I think that that's one of the big things... You know, you talked about so much on the ice, and we've brought up the off the ice effect that Corey Perry could have on this team. That right there is exactly
2: what we are referring to. The ability to come
1: out, he's a first year player, and he comes out, look, we weren't ready.
2: Jim, Jim were not ready. And Jim Montgomery said it was the worst loss of the season. Yeah. So right there with the Buffalo game. Yeah. What what I'm trying to figure out is why weren't they ready? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Yeah. I mean, you played on Sunday. It's a divisional opponent. It's a divisional opponent. You let one get away in Minnesota. Yeah. You should have two points in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You let that get away with a bad penalty to end the game by Rajiloff. And once again, a Rajiloff bad penalty again. He's not learning. Yeah. It's not getting through. It's very frustrating. To Brent watch. Severin said it best on Fox Sports Southwest. It's like in your mind, you're saying to yourself, you love Rajiloff's aggression, but. Severin said something you got to use your legs to get back into the place. Just keep that stick down. We've talked about it on this podcast. Yeah. Keep the stick down, man. They're looking for it clearly, especially with him. You are the most penalized forward in the National Hockey League. The most. Yeah. With 15 minors, you are the most penalized forward and guess what? You don't even fight. You
1: yeah. don't even rough it up. Yes, yeah, so you don't even add those you don't even add those uh Five-minute majors in there.
2: These you're are a, all two-minute, yeah. you know. For everything that you're doing well on the ice, you're now a liability as well. Yeah. Because you're killing any momentum that this team has. So I liked what Corey Perry had to say. What I hated is what Patrick Line of the Winnipeg Jets said. Yeah. Where after the game, he said, if we played the Stars all the time, I mean, to me— that guy, I mean, I would play that quote over and over and over again today. Yeah. And tomorrow in the pre skate and saying, this guy is dancing around the ice, super confident that he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, against you. And you're going to let that happen? Yeah. Well,
1: he's uh, going to get his wish as the Winnipeg Jets come to Dallas tomorrow. Just yeah. For, just for the listeners, we are recording this on Wednesday. Uh, tomorrow night, Thursday, the Winnipeg Jets now come to Dallas to play the Dallas Stars. Right. And, I mean, I think that this is a big game for the Dallas Stars. I think this is a big game for that locker room to kind of say, you know, they got two options here. You just got run all over on the ice by the Winnipeg Jets. Yes. Now you come to your home arena, your home ice, and you've got to, I mean, guys like Corey Perry, Jamie Benn, You know, Justin Dowling, whoever can throw their weight around on the ice, they need to come out and play physically against this Jets team and say, look, the other night we were out we that was the worst game of our season. We are turning it around right now, short memory, and I think a way to do that is to come out physically against them, try to assert your dominance early and make them look like the team that's
2: scared and not your squad against them. Yeah. First of all, let's acknowledge Winnipeg. We have on this podcast, but for some reason, people don't think Winnipeg's a good team. They're a really good team. (laughs) Yeah, They're faster than the Stars. They're more aggressive than the Stars. They're more powerful than the Stars. They have excellent goaltending in Hellebuck, so let's just acknowledge what the Winnipeg Jets are. They are a top three contender in the Central Division. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to the game that Mark Shifley played last night for Winnipeg. Let's go back to when the Winnipeg Jets a couple of Thursdays ago, came into the AAC, were down big, found their legs, and came back to tie the game. And then Jamie Benn hit Shifley hard Mm -hmm. and then led to a scoring chance, which Jamie Benn, looked like old Jamie Benn, scored, stars win the game. Yeah, Jamie Benn was more excited about the hit Than he was about the score, or just as excited. Yeah. Because that was a that was a game maker. Look what Mark Scheifele did last night for the Winnipeg Jets. Scheifele was all over the ice. He was playing great defensive hockey. He had scoring opportunities. He was rough. He scored. He was the number one star on the ice last night. You don't think that was caused by that Jamie Ben hit? Yeah. He's a veteran. He remembers that. So just like you said, the Stars have to respond tomorrow night. Even if they end up losing the game, they have to respond. They have to come out physical. And they have to be faster. And I don't know where these tired legs are coming from. I don't know why at the start of games, they're not the more aggressive team on the ice. They're back to being so bad at the beginning of the game. Yeah.
1: It makes no sense, and you can't leave Hudobin out to dry like that. Right, and you saw his frustration, which I loved as yeah. the game expired, and he turned and he just he just slammed his stick against the goal pipe. I mean, I've really, really felt for Anton Hudobin last night. I mean. He did everything he could to try to keep him in that game, but he had no help in front of him from the forward or from the forwards or the defense.
2: There was no back checking by the forwards, something that we talked about, which was the problem at the beginning of the year. There is no reason that a defenseman should follow up the play and be free. There is no reason that Shifley should be able to wind around the net and have a clean shot at a wraparound without getting hit. I know this is the modern-day NHL where right. analytics are big and everything like that, and you can't hit guys nowadays and everything. But the good teams seem to still be doing that. And you just what you just brought up, those are things that, like you
1: referenced, we saw in the 1-7-1 start for the Dallas Stars. Wide open shots from the slot, lack of defensive responsibility, just losing your man, just... Uh, it's not even... It's just like a lack of focus.
2: Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a lack of focus. And... How many two-on-ones have we seen the last few games? Oh. Where it's like, all of a sudden, the Stars are giving up odd man breakouts. Well, uh, Even uh, in the wild game... I believe it was a wild game.
1: Was It was Zach Prize who had that crazy, he batted it out of the air. But one thing that I watched, it's an amazing play, and I'm taking nothing away from him, but one thing that I was really frustrated by is you had two defensemen right there, Miro Haskinen and I believe Alexiak was the other guy, who were just watching him. Yeah. They were just watching him kind of try to bat at the puck, and at the last second, Miro kind of tried to take a last, you know, lunge towards him, but it was too late at that moment. They were just watching as the puck is floating in the sky, or in this guy in the in the air right there in front of your net, and I'd like to see especially Alexiak, who's right there next to him, give him a shove, take yeah. a penalty for a cross check. Don't Absolutely. give him that option to do that. Say, look. Yeah, you can try to take this, you can try to bat this out of the air, but you're in front of my net and you're going to pay for it.
2: Brise is 5'10", 5'11"? On a good day. On a good day. Yeah. I mean, granted, he's one of the great American players oh, he's great. that we have. Exactly. I don't want to take anything yeah, away from him. but absolutely. As amazing
1: as that play was, I was frustrated by watching just, it was just lackadaisical effort yeah.
2: from both of those guys right there. They need to quit hanging out their goaltending. Their goaltending has been outstanding this year. Yeah. dobin, Bishop. And I'm sick of people, every single time a goal is scored, blaming the goaltenders. Well, Bishop shouldn't have given up that goal. It was a two-on-one odd man rush. What are you supposed to do when the defenseman goes over to the shooter rather than taking the other player? Right. I mean, basically, you're screening Bishop or Hudobin. Yep. you got to take the other player and let Bishop get the guy coming down the side, but that's not happening. Yeah. It's like they're out of place They're all going for the puck rather than keeping their positions on the ice. They're not holding their defensive assignments. And then they get too pinched up in their offensive zone because they all want to do well offensively. And meanwhile, breakouts are happening the other way. Like I said, no reason for a defenseman to beat you. No reason for forwards to come back and have no one on them. All right. In a second, I want to talk about a, an opponent that's coming here to Dallas and
1: maybe a potential trade option on that team. Ooh. But real quick, I want to go to what you're going with, what you're talking about right there. You're talking about the defensemen and the play, and they're pinching a whole lot. And you and me talked about this earlier this week, and we wanted to address it on this episode of Sweaters Forever. The idea of having Miro Haskinen and John Klingberg both out there for an offensive draw has cost these star- stars. In a couple of these losses, you had the uh, the uh, the Blues game. Yep, where they had the two on one, and I think it was Miro who was the only defenseman back at the time. But it was an easy cross
2: eye saucer pass. You know, just. Tape to tape, and he taps it in. Yeah, that was a great veteran play by St. Louis. I mean, the crowd erupted. It was absolutely frustrating. Yeah. That crowd was waiting for something to happen. Sold out crowd the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, people were on their feet before they could even get the goal announcement back. Ryan O'Reilly on an odd man rush.
1: I mean, I was I was on my feet. I was too. I was sitting. I'm going. I'm going. Man, they really don't deserve a point here. Yeah. But if they can just hold on. And get one point against the Blues, I'm happy because, quite frankly, the Blues played a much better game than them. They benefited from an offside that they were able to review, which, by the way, we do need to give the Stars, coaching staff, and whoever their video guy is props. He might be the best video guy in the league. (laughs) It seems like typically when they review it, it's either it's inconclusive, so it stays, or they typically overturn it. Yeah, yeah. It seems like they're very good with those, but that... That Just the moment of the cross-ice pass to Ryan O'Reilly to tap it in was just so deflating as a Stars
2: fan. I don't think Klingberg had the time to decide on that two-on-one, whether to take okay, the so shooter yeah, was or the passer, or it was but it back. got by Haskinen on, oh, a, good, okay. on a good pass. Yeah. And then the next game, I'm like, I am not anti-Miro Haskinen. But I am here to say he needs to work on his defensive assignments. Mm-hmm. He's young, and that's going to come with time. Yeah. But we cannot put him in that elite category just yet until he improves defensively. Now, when you have him on the ice with John Klingberg, I think it's a defensive liability. I get the fact that you're trying to go all offense. Yeah. But it's not working to me. You know, you're not getting that offensive output output from either one of them when they're together. Yeah. Yeah. And you're anticipating that you're winning the faceoff. And that's another thing about last night. Horrible in the faceoff circle, and that comes down to effort and winning puck battles. But I'm against what Jim Montgomery's doing. To me, it's like you have defensive pairings for a reason. I like the fact that you put them on the ice together. If Alexiak is with Haskinen, at least you have Alexiak hanging back a little bit.
1: Well, and one thing that I really have, especially, you know, they don't have P.K. Subban anymore, but the Nashville Predators, what they would do is they would typically have, you know, no matter what, whether it was a power play or whether it was a penalty killer or whatever, they had their defensive pairings out there at all times because their defense was so good both offensively and defensively. I think the Stars, unless you're in a, you know, you're in a six-on-five at the end of the game, you know, and you've got an empty net and you really need a goal in the last minute and a half, I don't want to see, like you're saying, I don't want to see that Miro Haskinen and John Klingberg pair out there because with the Blues game, as we just referenced,
2: that directly led to that game-winning goal. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You won the face-off. Yeah, yes. And you won the face-off. And you pinched too hard with the forwards. You tried to win up against the boards. You lost that battle, which freed up the puck. And your defensemen were too far in, and no one laid back. And that led to a beautiful pass by St. Louis. And you can't do that against the Blues. They're a wily veteran club. Mm-hmm. They are going to beat you with those plays. St. Louis, as you noticed, didn't panic when the, when the house was coming down at the AAC and everyone's cheering. They said, okay, 1-1 one, one game. We got this. Yeah. And that's where that's where veterans like Ryan O'Reilly come in, and everything. I'm all about youth guys, but St. Louis has some amazing veterans that are just not going to lose their cool, yeah. and they're like, "All right, here we go." Yeah, so uh,
1: it's uh, it's a tough time right now for the Dallas Stars, but maybe, I mean, the, the team that's probably having the toughest time in the entire NHL comes to Dallas on Tuesday, and that is the New Jersey Devils. A second ago, I mentioned you know a potential trade candidate. I'd like to know the Hockey Hawks feeling on going for one Taylor Hall, who, you know, the New Jersey Devils just fired their head coach, and they've basically said, look, everybody's available. Uh, Taylor Hall is probably the most likely, I would think, to get moved on that roster. Um, What would your interest level be in bringing a guy like Taylor Hall to Dallas that could really help bolster that top six? I mean, you're you're adding an exceptional, exceptional talent to your top six forwards here.
2: He's a terrific player. I love him. Uh, I think he would provide just amazing scoring ability and talent. And that speed. Speed. Yeah. Passing ability. My question is, what am I giving up? Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, this is a short-term lease, by the way, too. Right. Because you're not going to be able to sign him in the offseason. In my opinion. That's that's an eight this to is, ten. That's an eight to ten million dollar player. Yeah,
1: I mean, so you could. I mean, you could maybe help out with the expiring contract of Matthias Yanmark, who's got two point three million dollars on the books. Um,
2: I mean, you I know, mean, could
1: you? Would you be able to do something? So maybe group. I mean, it sucks for me to say this, but maybe do like a Yanmark, Gurionov, Ettinger, and a draft pick. Would that get it done? Would you need to throw in another NHL-ready player?
2: First-round pick, Gurionov. Yeah, that would get it done. And the end mark. Yeah, that would definitely get it done. The problem's going to be the salary cap for this year. Right. Let's forget right. about next year. It's going to be this year. We're talking about
1: the team that the, at the very beginning when everybody got hurt, they were having to figure out, they are having yeah. to jump through hoops yeah. just with the IR yeah.
2: and calling people up and how to make the salary right. cap. Yeah, so the stars are up against the cap. Um, so... That's gonna be an issue they're gonna to have to figure out and that's when you say okay who is New Jersey gonna take off the books you know you could maybe do some long-term injury uh, stuff that would free up some cap space
1: and I guess the good thing is the good news is too is they would only take on the salary of whatever's left for the season at the time they acquire him yes which would also which also helps them out in terms of salary cap hula hoops to jump through but just from a just from a standpoint of Turning this team, because, I mean, what you, in your opinion right now, is this team a lock to make the playoffs?
2: No. As currently constructed. No. I agree. I don't think they are either. I had them before the year as a wild card, mm-hmm. and uh, I'll stick with that. Yeah. Uh, but here's, my, here, here's the thing. Colorado is now healthy. Mm-hmm. And we saw how Colorado, you know. When they were healthy. When they were
1: healthy. They were at the top of the division, and they now have a lead over the Stars. A one-point lead. Right. And they have got three games in hand.
2: Yeah. They have Miko Rantanen back. They have Gabriel Landeskog back. Um, They're really, really good. In fact, you know, they might... My, they might. I think they're the most exciting team
1: to oh, watch in hockey. They're tremendous. Like the, Vegas, the Golden Knights in their first season, I thought they were the most exciting team, the most fun to watch, just the way they moved the puck and moved up and down the ice. To me, that's the Colorado Avalanche at full strength now. Yeah. I love watching that team play
2: hockey. Oh, I do too. They're, you know, Kale McCarr is amazing. Uh, they're getting solid net minding. Uh, they could compete uh, with uh, St. Louis for the first in the Central. So here's the issue for the Stars. So now you have Colorado back in the mix. Mm-hmm. So you have Colorado, you have St. Louis. Winnipeg's playing really good hockey, as we saw last night. So they're going to be in the mix. And, oh, yeah, the Nashville Predators are just outside. So yeah. I don't think it's a guarantee top three. And then you look at the wild card. The issue with the wild card is what's going on in your other division in the right, West. Right, right. And the Western Conference is just stacked. So when you look at the West, you got Vegas who hasn't reached their full potential yet. San Jose is playing much better since they added Patrick Marlowe. Um, you know, so you got a lot of teams in the West. Arizona, yeah, San Jose is two points behind the Stars. Okay, That'd Arizona games. is is playing. Well. Got thirty six points. Yeah, exactly. So second it's like, place
1: in the Pacific.
2: Okay, and who's first in the Pacific right now? The Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. Thirty seven points. Ooh, I have in my top five once again. And we will okay. So hit let's that. just say, let's just say Edmonton. Uh, how far is Vancouver out in the?
1: They are they have 32 points the so the Pacific looks like this the Oilers at 37 the Coyotes at 36 the Golden Knights at 34 then you got the Canucks at 32 the Sharks at 31 and the Flames at 30 your Dallas Stars have 33 points sitting in fourth place in the Central
2: so you just name five teams that are in the mix, yeah? Okay, three automatically make it, right? And then what happens with the other two? They're going to be fighting for that wild card spot along with you in Nashville, exactly. If yep. you're not in the top three, and you and, haven't, yeah, and the wild yet, and the wild, and the wild, yeah, absolutely, they have thirty points. Wilds are playing great hockey. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if you want to do it now, but I got to tell you, on Sunday, I listen. I'm not the general manager. I approved. I thought the I thought the Joe Pavelski trade was a uh, uh, acquisition was a good Zuccarello. one. But you know what I'm thinking? Yeah, Matt Zuccarello. And we brought this up a couple episodes. Yeah, about, you know, watching those guys all season long. I mean, if you were to decide it now, and this is a long term play, yeah, you'd probably bring back Zuke. Yeah, I'm I mean, pa- I think that's what I would do. Pavelski's playing good defensive hockey. But the offense just hasn't come around yet. It's still early. Right. But, you know, if you had a choice right now, you'd pick. I'm not. I, I, I can't criticize Jim Nill because I was pro-Joe Pavelski.
0: And, and you know, I was, I was on was that too.
2: bandwagon. So I was it's too. tough to criticize. However, he's in the seat. So if it doesn't work out, yeah. he needs to be blamed. Right. You know? No. So, I mean, for that matter, I mean, that's an interesting thing to, to watch. As far as the Zuccarello, Zuccarello Pavelski thing, but it's going to be a logjam for those two wild card spots, yeah. and that's why when you play anyone in the Western Conference, it's absolutely huge, even at this early juncture.
1: Yeah, so we're at this early juncture. And we you know just threw out a, a potential trade target in Taylor Hall. Have you even started to think or look at rosters? Who you know we just mentioned a bunch of teams that are in the race there are a few that are pretty much out of it by now or would i mean i guess you can't really say that the st louis blues were in that same same situation last year at around this juncture i think it was at new year's where they really made their turnaround have you considered or thought about what this team needs as you watch this this roller coaster of a season to this point uh we just talked about taylor hall would come in and play left wing for you and you could you can bump down
2: jamie Benn then if you bring him in. Um, yeah. Now, this is, a, this is something that I don't know how you do it, but and you'd have to change the style, and I think this is um, not why it'll happen. Mm-hmm. You, you look at the best teams, to me, on the power play in the NHL, and they have something in common, and that's a slap shot. I'm not sure why, when the Stars are on the power play, that they don't utilize the slap shot from the point. So, when I'm thinking of improvements, I'm thinking of power play improvements in that give me somebody, and I thought Zuccarello provided this, Hmm. other than Tyler Sagan on the power play. Yeah. Because teams know it's going to Tyler Sagan.
1: And one of the things that I loved about Zuccarello in Dallas was... All the different ways that he scored goals—he would score those nice wristers or slap shots, but he also scored those real gritty goals where he's on his back or on his side near the net. And he just knocks one in, or you know, he t- he tips in a, a, a shot from the point. The the multitude of ways that he scored was really impressive to me, and I guess that's where I see the biggest drop off between him and Joe Pavelski. Is I haven't but Joe Pavelski to me hasn't even really looked all that dangerous no. offensively. He doesn't. He gets the puck, and I don't feel super confident that something positive is going to happen from a playmaking standpoint or from a shooting standpoint.
2: I mean, the scary part is, have we seen the best of Joe Pavelski? Yeah. And that remains to be seen, but are we facing another Jason Spezza? Where right. back end of the career does some nice things on the ice, but is it worth the cap casualty? And I think that's that's yeah. gonna be one of the questions that's gonna you know come up and maybe that's what'll end up doing Jim nil in because you add
1: this and and the Hansel deal yeah and all these different contracts that he's given to these aging players yeah and like like you I was definitely on board with Joe Pavelski coming in you know I was it's a player that I've always admired I've always liked watching him play hockey but this team does not have a good track record with bringing these Older guys in, you know,
2: to their locker room. So, so I'm going to give you four names real quick. All right, under Jim Nill, Joe Pavelski, mm-hmm. to be determined. Right.
1: Well, well we got to wait and let that one play out. Yeah, but absolutely. early on, it's early not on, great. it's not
2: working. Yeah, Jason Spezza. You re-signed him. You got you got one or two good one years two good early, years.
1: and then after that it was a little rough.
2: But outside one, of the outside of the face off right. he was and huge for that. And I hate to do this, but unfortunately, it's a factor in today's cap salary NHL. Right. I'm looking at the salaries and yeah. I'm looking at seven point five million. Yeah. Anything over seven million, I'm expecting you to play at the highest level. Alice Hemsky. Oh, I forgot about that. Never healthy. Never yeah. Never healthy. And Martin Hansel, which is was a disaster of a contract. Yeah. I mean, you're talking over $5 million a year, and we've barely seen him on the ice. And the latter two that I just mentioned were riddled with injuries before signing with the Stars. And I think that's where you have to take a deep look. Mm -hmm. Jason Spezza played in a lot of games. Joe Pavelski's played in a lot of games. I get it. If they don't work out, they don't work out. But Martin Hansel... Had a really good year before he signed with the Stars, but then you look at his track record, and he missed games every single year. A lot. Same thing with Alice Hemsky.
1: And I guess the one guy that I would say that had that rap of, hey, this guy's missed a lot of games, but it's really worked out very well here, would be Ben Bishop.
2: Oh, yeah, You know, he
1: coming in here, that was the one question was, well, can he stay healthy? Can he stay healthy? Got to give Jim Nill props on that one. Yep. But, yes, that, that list of four players is very concerning. Also concerning... Did you know that they sit right now at 25th in the NHL and power play percentage? Yeah, that's not good. 14.8%. Yeah. Listen to these teams below them. Detroit, Chicago, New Jersey, Los Angeles, the Ducks, and
2: the Senators. And what do they all have in common?
1: They are all horrible. Yeah. And, Those are and, all bad. Those are all the teams that I just referenced a second ago and saying there's only a handful of teams that are completely out of it.
2: Those are them. And when we talk about the new NHL style, which is more and more skill where do you use your most skill on the power play? Yeah. Yeah. So if the power play is not clicking, and to mention the stars don't draw a lot of power play opportunities, which I don't understand why you can't change, because that comes down to effort. Right. As far as drawing those penalties and working in the corner and being able to force your opponent to lift that stick to tug on you or cross-check you.
1: So they have been on the power play, let me see here, 81 times okay, they have been shorthanded 100 times. So they have been shorthanded far more than they have been, had the upper hand, which goes to
2: exactly what you were just talking about. And and once again, when you ask me about a trade, I don't know how you do this salary cap-wise, but and they're hard to come by, Mm -hmm. but I would love to see a big defenseman with a big shot. So at least it gives me something at the point where teams have to crunch in and they can't attack me. I see teams going out to meet John Klingberg because they're not afraid of a wrist shot coming at them.
0: Well, and you... you know
2: I know the stars are built on tip shots and everything like that, but man I just when I watch the St. Louis Blues and they're winding around and if Tarasenko's out of the lineup big number 55 Colton parecos raring rearing back to fire and I mean I saw one last Friday night and it's Sizzled above the net and man that glass was loud when it hit. I mean you know you need that it's that it's yeah. that weapon. I actually think Jamie Alexiak has a good shot. I wouldn't mind seeing Alexiak on the on the power play or at least I'd like to see the stars at times take more slap shots. Would the Kings ever depart with Drew Doughty? Yes. well, no because they just signed him. Oh yeah, that's right.
1: Because so. the first thing I thought, I, and I'd forgot he had been moved to the Maple Leafs, was Jake Muzzin was the first name that came to mind when you brought up, you know, that big defenseman with a slap shot. I've always been a big fan of Jake Muzzin's game. He was yeah. traded to the uh, Toronto Maple Leafs early last January or late last January. I'm sorry. That's a, that's a guy that first came to mind. So maybe if the if the uh, Maple Leafs fall out of playoff contention and you know they end up in sellers mode, maybe that's a guy that they could go after. But I mean, I'm sitting here looking at. You know, these bottom teams trying to find a defenseman that I think would fit. And <laughs> it's, I, a, it's a it's, task. And, and, doubt, and maybe that's why they're at the bottom of
2: yeah. the NHL is because they don't have that right. defensive presence. Doughty makes $11 million a year and he's Oof. on a no-movement clause. Would he like Dallas, though? No. <laughs> yeah, right. <probably> not. <laughs> yeah.
1: But does he like L.A.? Yes. You're on a bad team, right?
2: Uh, He is. Yeah, absolutely. And they've had their struggles and... Uh, you know, they've struggled in kind of in the draft as far as building young players, uh, but they won some Stanley Cups. I think, you know, uh, the one cool thing about the Dowdy uh, new contract was Doughty was his own agent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I Doughty was his own that. agent, and he basically admits he did it to save money. He's like, I just had a lawyer to look at it. He's like, it's not hard to figure out the terms, and, uh, you know, this is what they could pay me, and I knew that, and... Uh, you know, just the smaller terms, I would let a lawyer handle it, and we were good to go. So, I mean, I just love like you know the modern day player just saying, "Yeah, well, it's, all, so, it's all good, man. You're going to pay me 11 million. That sounds good to me." Yeah, he right. saved a lot of money over the years, yes. you know, uh, because of that. But I still think Drew Doughty has stuff in the tank. That's a long contract, oh, and I a big was, salary. I loved it, Drew and Doughty. once again, you know, I mean, Stars fans, if you can figure out a way to maneuver the cap. You know, please feel free to let us know. I have to look into the Hansel long-term injury. I wonder
1: if you'd have to throw situation. in a guy like Foxa or like a Dickinson or something like that. If maybe that would be the final in terms of salary,
2: you are going to have to give someone up around two or three million yeah. to equate somehow get you know around that cap space. So and you got that Matthias Janmark two point three million. You do have the Matthias Janmark, and so. you know to me he's been a disappointment this year. Uh, you know, I, I think that's where Jim Nill has to reevaluate looking forward is you can't have everyone on your uh, on your roster that makes two to two point three million dollars because that adds up after a while. Yeah. And I personally thought they should have let Yamark walk um and let him prove himself elsewhere. I mean, he's a nice player. He does a good job shorthanded from what I've heard, he's good in the room. Those are all nice things, but you got to give me... and Klinger
1: me, are our best friends.
2: Yeah. Give me give me a guy making 800000 to a million. Yeah. You know, that's going to save me money, and that's going to add up to, you know, future players.
1: What do you think about um, trying to get a guy like Taylor Fadoon in the lineup more often? Do you think that that... You know, because Fadoon played very well when he was called up. I've seen a lot of frustration from guys, or from people and fans online, uh, regarding the play of Roman Polak and Sekera. Uh, so what, I mean... Would you think that that would maybe be something that Jim Montgomery could try to pull here and try to, you know, try to try to infuse some youth on the back end yeah. as well as, as
2: he's a bigger guy who's not afraid to throw his body around. I think I think with Fadoon, you're getting more offensive play and you just have to keep Pollock or Seker in the lineup with him mm-hmm. to, you know, lay back defensively. All right. So I mean, I would definitely, you know, be open to that. Um and you know, I think he's been a a, a good overall player. You're going to have to get him some ice time anyway. Um, at some point at this point you know looking back I was hoping that Gavin Beyruther would be the guy moving up at this point but they went with Sekera and Polak but I'm guessing next year for cap space at least I think they have to at some point say goodbye to Sekera thanks Roman Polak you've been amazing yeah and you got to start bringing up the Heatheringtons the Gavin Bayruthers. The the issue with Bayruthers, and I I I gotta look into it. You know, as far as Texas, he's playing well on the power play, but he's a minus eleven on the ice. Oh. And I know plus minus isn't a factor as it once was, but at the same time, you know that you know looking at just the stats alone, that stood out to me.
1: All right, do you want to go ahead and hit the mailbag here? Yeah, man.
2: Let's hit the. Uh, Let's
1: hear the uh, Dallas Stars mailbag. If you're unfamiliar with this portion, this is your opportunity to ask a question that we'll answer on this podcast, the Sweaters Forever podcast. You can either tweet them to Gavin Spittle at GJ Spittle, or you can tweet them to myself Shippy, at Shipy Fun Sports. And uh, if we haven't hit the hit the question before, if we find it super intriguing, we'll answer it right here. Huge
2: thanks to IndyCar Tim who supports yeah. the podcast and uh, promotes it on different websites. So. He asks, and by the way, Tim has his own podcast, so uh, you know he's a good follow man. He's a big sports fan, and he just supports the fans so much. So, thanks, IndyCar Tim. He asks, appreciate you. One, why are the stars so Jekyll and Hyde at home and on the road this season? Nine four and one at home, six seven and two on the road. And when will Ropay Hance take the next step in development? We need more consistency from him.
1: Uh, I think the Jekyll and Hyde thing. It's, I don't, I never know how to really explain that, you know, because like we said, like we just started this podcast talking about the Winnipeg game and why did they come out not ready to try to take on a divisional opponent that's ahead of them in the standings? Like, they're I think at the time they were tied or they were one point behind them. But, anyways, just somebody that you're jostling for position with, how do you go on the road to their arena and come out flat like that when you're not coming off a back to back? Right.
2: You had time off. You did. I, I, I mean, you were in. You were. You were. I mean, you had an afternoon game in Minnesota. Right. It wasn't a night game. Yeah, you had plenty of time. Yeah. So
1: the Jekyll and Hyde thing. I. I don't know. I don't really understand how to. And maybe maybe that's where Monty loving to juggle the line so much maybe hurts this team. Where you know every game you're starting, it feels like with different lines all across the board, and maybe that's something that the players don't like. I. That's something that we'd have to ask the players themselves. Like, hey, is this something that bothers you? How does it affect your game? Um, I really wish I had a better answer for why they're so inconsistent because that's, I think that's what's so frustrating is you see these these examples during the, the, during the hot streak of, man, if they could just play this type of hockey this whole time, and then they go on this four-game road trip and they look the way they did. It, there's really no good explanation for
2: it. So Montgomery didn't play for a lot of the third period. Radulov and Sagan. Yeah, last he benched him, trying to send a message. I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he didn't pull Hudobin because you know Hudobin kept him in the game because that right. would have tried to rile up the troops. And, but, and you
1: give you get Bishop that night off. Too. Absolutely. And yeah. I'm sure you. sure he appreciates Dobby hanging in there. You know, during what was most most certainly a very frustrating game for
2: him. Yeah. 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 But. After the game last night, I said to myself, okay, who's going to step up Thursday? And the fact that I didn't know who the answer was, mm-hmm. to me, is concerning. Is it Jamie Ben? And I think that's like, you know, we talk about today's sports, how it's different now, but who's going to be yelling in the room? Who's going to do the closed-door meeting? Who's going to take the team aside and said, what we did the other night is an embarrassment? We're fortunate in that we get the... Team on Thursday, I mean, Montgomery made it clear he doesn't even like the matchup against Winnipeg, yeah. You know, because they asked him and they said, Well, you know, you're you you said you're looking forward to playing him on Thursday night. He's like, No, I'm looking forward to playing again on Thursday night because we got to get this out of our system, right? So, I mean, it's clear in the room and in the coaching, this is not a good matchup for the Dallas Stars, Mm -hmm. but they can turn it around. I mean, they beat Winnipeg. Just a week and a half ago, they have to be more consistent. I wonder if that's something
1: in their head that the players know, like, if that's a team they're like, quote unquote, scared of, or that they see that they don't match up well against Or I think so. That gives them them fits, that they hate facing Patrick Line, who always seems to score two to three points every time he plays it. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that's something that's just in their head from, not even from just this season. I mean, Patrick Line has been killing this team for years. Right. For years. Like since he entered the league with the Winnipeg Jets,
2: he has been torching them. Right. Now check check uh, Patrick Line hard tomorrow night and uh see how Adam focus, Lowry's gonna Yeah, focus in on him. Yeah. I guarantee Adam Lowry will come out and want to drop the glove. Yeah. Because he did it on Ryan Reeves a couple weeks ago. And but make them do that, you know? Absolutely make, make Line uncomfortable. And I, that's one of the things
1: I think that this team and that's why we bring up guys like Ryan Reeves and a thing that you know Corey Perry is very good at. That those players that are able to get out of the, under the other the the opponent star's skin, yeah, you know the Patrick Line who gives you that that really that just is always seeming to score against you. Well, yeah. make him pay, make, make him, pay. him pay, make him uncomfortable,
2: mm. make him make him have his head on a swivel out yeah. there. You oh, know? absolutely, absolutely. As for the Ropey Hints question, I think I mean when you look at Ropey Hints, he really hasn't played a full NHL season yet, so yeah. I think he's still young. And uh, I think teams are focusing on him. Um, and I think he's just like the rest of the team. He's streaky. yeah. And right now they're struggling offensively as a team. And that's what happens when you're a streaky team. You don't have consistency. And we talked about this on an earlier podcast. They're going to have to get back to basics. And Robay Hintz has to get back to basics. Put pucks on the net. Be faster than the other team. I can't remember the last game in which they were faster than the other team. And this team is built on speed. Yeah. So where are the stretch passes for Rope Hence? And listen, you know, I'm the huge Dennis Gurionov guy, Mm -hmm. but he's, you know, he's getting chances, but eventually the puck's got to go in the net, Dennis. Right. I'm a big Dennis Gurionov guy. I think he can be a star in this league. However, if he can't put the puck in the net in the meantime, he has to do the other things.
1: You know who I first thought of when you mentioned those stretch passes? Matt Zuccarello. Yes.
2: (laughs) Yes. That's exactly what I thought of. Oh, one of the best passing forwards in the league. His first
1: game against the Chicago Blackhawks last year. He had one of the he had a stretch pass. I believe he'd just gotten out of the penalty box. Yeah. And he had this stretch pass, I think it was to Rope Hence for a goal. I mean, it was like this back spinning, like how he knew that Hence was over there, I have no idea. Yeah. But they're they're lacking that creativity right now.
2: Well, when he caught the stars pinching in the zone on Sunday, yep. he threw You know, a breakaway pass, which was against the boards. I mean, what forwards do that? Where it's a perfect breakaway pass that pings off the boards. Typically, a defenseman move. Absolutely. From Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom. That's our guy. Yeah, it's our guy, man. Well, and any Car. Tim Fuzzy says, with Dowling out and Rad's lack of production and speed, what would be a better alternative on the Ben Sagan line? Also, how can this team's power play, currently at twenty six, improve? Uh, we talked about that, Fuzzy. I think they need a shot from the point. I think they need more weapons. Start pinging it from the other side. Quit trying to rely on Tyler Sagan. Get in front of the net. Make things dirty. Um, you know, and they're even struggling to get it in the zone. Yeah,
1: I would just say on the power play, I'm a big fan of just get it to the net. Throw it on the net. You know, and that's one of the things that I was going to bring up a second ago. Actually, we were talking about the power play and its struggles. And one thing that really impressed me when the Blues were in town is we've talked ad nauseum at all the players they're missing, all the talent they're missing, no Tarasenko in that. Their power play still looked 10 times better than the, than the Stars ever did. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a fundamental thing. I don't know if they need a new PowerPoint, or PowerPoint, power play specialist. If they had a PowerPoint specialist, i would be <laughs> pretty good if they had a PowerPoint presentation for every opponent. Um, no, but, you know, whoever they, if they need somebody else that's manning the power play in terms of, you know, telling, you know, coaching the power play, basically. The the Blues' power play looked amazing, and maybe it's because they've got those defensemen like Colton Pareko, and and you know they've got those guys who that that quite frankly opponents are scared of, you know, taking a slap shot off their shin or their knee or something like that. Um, maybe that's what they need. But the Blues' power play looked amazing, and I was just watching it, and it did, didn't even seem to matter who was on the ice. Yeah, whoever was out on the ice for the power play, they it just looked so fluid and so natural and so easy. And I was just so jealous to watch yeah, a power play you, you that would Yeah, you become looked, enamored. Yeah, I'm like sitting there, I'm like, gosh, if the Stars could do this, I mean, my life would be so
2: much better. No, I totally agree. And that's that comes down to puck-moving defensemen, you know, who have great, accurate shots from the point, in my opinion. I think it's a, it's a weapon. And you mentioned P.K. Subban. Yeah. Like, I understand that he might be in his downside of his career, but that slap shot from the point is still big. Yeah. You know, and I know it's old school nowadays. Like analytics tell you that your higher percentage is an accurate risk shot that could be tipped, but uh, I still love that shot from the point. As far as the uh, who should center Sagan if Sagan moves out to the wing, I like Jason Dickinson because, or Justin Dowling or Justin Dowling if he's healthy. But if yeah. Dowling's not healthy, I like Dickinson just for the defensive aspects. Yeah,
1: and being able to take Sagan out of the out of the middle you know, as I mentioned last week, was something that Monty told me was was
2: huge for them because he want, they need goals from Tyler Sagan. They need goals. Our man at Laces Out Fink, who we always see at Stars game. Oh. Oh, Fink, total shot in the dark, but what would it take for the Stars to land Taylor Hall aside from Jersey eating some of the remaining contract? Uh, and he says it's the holiday time. A guy can make a wish.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it earlier. Um and I didn't know that that was going to be a question. <laughs> yes. That's just something that I just happened to bring up. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that they're going to obviously want young talent. Um, they're going to want draft picks. And they're going to want the, the salaries obviously going to have to offset from the Dallas Stars' perspective.
2: Yeah, I think draft picks have become such a commodity in the NHL yeah. that the Stars would definitely have to give up picks and maybe a prospect. The, the issue I have with giving up Ettinger is... Who takes really? over after Ben Bishop? Yeah, I mean Colton Point hasn't shown that. Landon Bow, Landon Bow hasn't really shown. They have flashes. Um, Ettinger to me is you know getting his first full season in Texas, and you know I think the kid has the potential to be something. Uh, all right, let's go to Jared Sandler. Oh, Heard of him before? Yeah, I know that guy. At Jared Sandler, when he's not doing Rangers pre and post, he's a big hockey guy. Who is the prospect not yet with the Stars who could potentially make an impact this year? This is a tough one because, you know, you I look at... I think it was Gurianov. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of their prospects are up, Jared. Um, but, I mean, me personally, I want to see the two guys that I mentioned earlier in the podcast. I would like to see get a shot, Gavin Bayreuther and Dylan Hetherington. Just because I've seen those guys. Yeah, they've, uh, they've
1: had stretches at the NHL level where yeah. they've
2: contributed mightily to this team. So, I think if the Stars have an issue on the blue line as far as injury, I think they're okay. You know, for now because they have Fadoon, um healthy scratching right now, and then they have a couple guys in the minors that I think can step up and do a good job. So that to me would be the biggest hole forward wise. I think they're too young. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, when Kamano came up, um, I think it's it's okay. Robertson, yeah. they're still young. Yeah. They're so young. You can
1: tell they're a little bit in over their head. Um, the guy that I was actually gonna bring up was the guy that you just brought up and it would be for the same reason that you know any of those defensemen would be called up as if one of the goalies happened to get hurt, Jake Ettinger, you know, maybe in a Jordan bennington type situation come up, you know, get you, obviously they're in different points of their career in terms of how long they've been in the in the minor leagues and those things, but I mean, you never really know until you give that guy the shot at the uh, at the NHL level. So if something were to happen to Dobby or Bishop, which knock on wood, you know, hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, the question I think Jack is,
2: Ettinger could. Yeah, I mean, Ettinger seems to be the better goalie right now. They're kind of splitting time between him and Bo. I think they might bring up the veteran. Bo, I think they would too. Um, but at the same time, you're right. Ettinger has that flash. I think he's got the higher seal ceil- or the higher higher ceiling. Yeah, yeah. So he played on a very bad Boston University team. Mm. Um, who really struggled so he had a lot of shots on net when he was at BU and when he played for the Texas Stars last year uh, which came in the back half of the season he played really well uh now he's getting his first full season and we got to remember you know goalies a lot of times take a few years to develop so this is his first year on the road first year in the AHL so probably I'm thinking Texas uh, or the Dallas Stars will slow play this yeah keep Ettinger down. And uh, hopefully, because they got to figure out what to do if Dobie, you know, I mean, they could sign you know a goalie to a one-year contract, but I mean, to me, Dobie's proven to be a three million dollar, maybe four million dollar a player year.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if the Val Nichushkin experiment kind of has them on the uh, the slower play with these prospects in terms of you know pulling up too early and then them losing all confidence. Which, by the way, congrats to Val for scoring his first goal. I think it was last week and. It was in like a
2: hundred games
1: or something. Yeah. It was something ridiculous. Yeah,
2: absolutely. All right, our man D Wood asks, why can't we tailgate at the Winter Classic? Oh, I saw that. I don't know. That is a huge missed opportunity. Huge missed opportunity by the I, NHL. I'm not I don't know factually. I'm I'm thinking tailgate uh could be a parking issue. Yeah. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, because you don't really see a ton of tailgating at Texas OU, right? Because the state fair is going on, and I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, I've been to several Texas OUs, and maybe I'm in the wrong parking lots, but I don't see a ton of tailgating. I know it's an issue as far as parking for the first Rangers game when they, you know, everyone goes oh, out there yeah. and tailgates. Uh, a few years back, I couldn't find a parking space, um, and then you look, and people are taking up two, three parking spots. So I'm guessing. Um, since the crowd is gonna be so huge for that game, because remember you can put more seats in. Um, I think that's the issue.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, maybe we just do a like a like a tolo tailgate before the before the winter classic at a at an undisclosed area. Yeah. Very unofficial the unofficial one oh five three the fan tolo tailgate. Maybe we can Get something set up, because I definitely want to tailgate somewhere. I want to go in
2: there and spend $12 for every beer. Yeah, absolutely. And we got to make sure we go to the bathroom prior to going in,
1: Yes, yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's always been an issue That is a great reminder. It's been a long time since I've been over there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jamie Lee, at James Henry Lee. We looked terrible last night. Do you think the mindset shifted that we were the best in the league after doing so well? Do you think we are back to square one? I think consistency we talked about is an issue. They might be back to square one. I know that their mindset was interesting after the game. They admitted and said they weren't ready. So the question is, is how fast will they come out Thursday? I think that will determine the mindset of this team. I
1: think for me, you know, the, the four-game streak kind of, I mean, remember that that first loss on the streak was in Chicago following a really tough game against, you know, on the second night of a back-to-back against a really tough Vegas team here in Dallas. And then you had three straight really high quality opponents, you know, and you had plenty of time in between. And there's no there's no excuse for not being ready. But I didn't think that I thought they looked ready when the Blues were in town and and when they played the Minnesota Wild. Really, aside from last night, I didn't see a team that just went out there and just totally flopped. So even though they're on a four game losing streak, and you know nobody likes to see that, I think that there's still plenty to take from those from those games, you know, in terms of positives, and you get the opportunity to, you know, take on the Jets in your home arena and, and uh, put that put 5-1 that stinker, you know, put that in the back of your mind.
2: A couple of comments to end the mailbag segment. Billy Bell, at Mavsman1964. All right. Appreciate that you're a Mavs and now yeah. stars and yeah. sweaters forever podcast fan. He says, thank you, guys. Thank you, Billy. Always appreciate yeah, man. the support. Thanks for and listening. And please spread the word. Please pass it on. We put it out on social media. We want to get as many followers as possible and listeners as possible. Yeah. Uh, at Millsy." Uh, or Milzy, who's at Nui fan, love that <laughs> <laughs> love that handle. For the first time all year, I turned the Stars game off after the second period. We were super streaky. That typically is not a good sign of a good team. Not all losses or the same, but Doby got no support last night. Yeah, I think we agree with that. But I'll say it once again: I think Winnipeg's a good team. Yeah, very very, and good and good teams take advantage of those situations. And
1: they have not they have not been a good a team that typically matches up well with the Stars, or the Stars don't match up well with them. Yeah. Over the last three or four seasons. It's always you, been, you know, last season when the when the Predators were the first round draw for the Stars, that was, to me, a big sigh of
2: relief that it was not the Winnipeg Jets. You know what's interesting about Winnipeg is that, you know, you talked about Tarasenko being out and how the Blues haven't, you know, just basically lost a step. They're still the St. Louis Blues. Yeah. Josh Morrissey's the only returning defenseman yeah. this year for the Winnipeg Jets. They have five other different defensemen. I mean, that is amazing. They lost Ben Sherratt. They lost Tyler Myers. Uh, Dustin Bufflin's not back yet. Uh, and they say he might not come back at all. Um, you know, they it, it's just an amazing turnaround that goes back to coaching. I've often said Winnipeg is one of the better running organizations because they're a small market team. They can't bring in the large free agents. Um, and, you know... I mean, candidly, it's not the easiest place to play. It's not like it's a huge draw for someone to play in Winnipeg. Yeah. Amazing fan base. I've never been, but it doesn't sound like the most fun city of all time. (laughs) (laughs) I I would say... I've never been to
1: Canada at all. Well... I'd want to go, but Winnipeg does not sound like...
2: I'm personally a Winnipeg fan just because I'm their stars correspondent. Oh, okay. So, you know, I'm a big, uh, you know, shout out to my friends at TSN Winnipeg. But at the same time, Shippy... Um, I would think Vancouver's probably the better draw or Toronto to to, yeah. play, to play in those cities.
1: I, the only the only city I've seen uh, in, turn, in Canada really is uh, Calgary because in uh, oh, what's that? Oh cool runnings. They go to Cal, <laughs> they go to Calgary and uh, you know there's some flames players and stuff and so that's my knowledge of Calgary.
2: Random things talked about in the day Cool <laughs> runnings was not one that I put on my top 10 <laughs> All list. Right?
1: Hey, that's what you get with the Sweaters Forever podcast. You never know. It's going to come up. I need to watch that movie again. Great movie.
2: Speaking of lists, it's time.
1: Yes, it's time for the Hockey Hawk Top 5 NHL Power Rankings. This week, I'm once again using the Sports Illustrated uh, Power Rankings. Ah. I thought that went really well last week, and they weren't stealing your list. Like, was it ESPN the week before or something like that that had literally almost your exact top five? Yeah, let's see
2: how we replicate them.
1: All right, so number one, I think you're probably going to have the same team here. The Boston Bruins are who the who Sports Illustrated have at number one. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) I mean, that's
2: it's really you have no other option at this point. I mean, and and Washington really did nothing bad to be knocked down. I mean, they're hot as well, but eight straight wins for the Bruins. Uh, You know, one thing that I like looking at. We talk about, you know, is plus minus a key factor. I personally still like that stat because obviously you have more positives um, than negatives when you're on the ice. Then I think it shows that you're a good player. Another thing I like to look at is goal differential. And what goal differential means is basically the team is scoring more than they're giving up. Boston leads the NHL with a plus 36 goal differential. In other words, they've scored 36 more times than giving up. That is a huge differential.
1: Dude, and listen to this. It required, they got their 20th win in their 28th game of the season. Yeah. Again, 28 games played, and they have got and they got their 20th win. They're, they're on fire. David
2: Pasternak. It's
1: ooh. the fifth time in franchise history they've required 28 or fewer contests
2: to record its 20th win. I shouldn't do this, but every time I think, See David Pasternak. I think the stars drafted before David Pasternak was selected. Did they? Yeah.
1: Well, you know, can't win them all, I guess. <laughs> number two, the Washington Capitals are yeah. who the who Sports Illustrated have at uh, number two, and. You, you brought this up a couple weeks ago. John Carlson is still just on this insane tear. He became the sixth player, and the first defenseman to reach the 40-point mark in 2019
2: and 2020. And uh, that's pretty impressive. Four straight wins for the Caps, and Alex Ovechkin's online store is now open. Similar to Tyler Sagan, he oh. has his own line now. So he took his initials and made a design. So you can now wear Alex Ovechkin gear. I absolutely love that players are starting to trend in this direction, where they're coming up with cool gear that they can sell, which features them, and they get all the proceeds. Yeah, I think it's real smart. Um, you know, I love Sagan's logo, and I really love Alex Ovechkin. And you see him after games now wearing his Alex Ovechkin uh, gear. So another interesting Alex Ovechkin stat. So he's on another tear and they're playing great. You know, you mentioned how good that team is. I mean, we don't even mention TJ Oshie or anything like that. It's a, it's amazing. So he needs 22 more goals, which he might get this year. And then he reaches 700. Yeah.
1: saw that, I think he'll get it this year. I think he will. Yeah. I mean, um, he's
2: gotta be, he's definitely the best goal scorer of our generation and he's got to be top three, if not the best of all time. I mean, you got to go back to the Rocket Richards or, you know, players like that, but he's special. Check out this note on John
1: Carlson. He became the first defenseman to reach the 40 point mark in 29 or fewer games since Calgary's. Speaking of big slap shot. Al McInnes in 1990-1991. That was a good one. That was a real good slap shot. Aside from Carlson and McInnes, only three other blue liners in NHL history have recorded 40 points in a season through 29 or fewer
2: games. Bobby Orr, Dennis Potvin, and Paul Coffey. Dennis Potvin was a terrific one for the New York Islanders, and Coffey was amazing. Now, here's an interesting thing, and it's way too early, but Carlson is on such a roll... You gotta look at him as the Norris leader. Yeah, at this oh, absolutely. Point. Yeah. But the question is, is how much does defense play into? I'm not saying he's offensively elite. Defensively good. And I think that's uh, enough to yeah. win the Norris. But think about think about though you know, anybody who had
1: qualms with um Drew Doughty or Eric Carlson, yeah, absolutely. you know, they would say, well, they're offensively, they're yeah. great, but defensively this guy was better. So I wonder though. I mean, I guess probably it doesn't matter because of guys like Connor McDavid, Leonard Dreisaitl, and uh, David Pasternak, I guess, would be probably your top three. But in terms of his overall
2: MVP, what yeah. would it take for him to get in that conversation? It would, yeah. It would take a slump in those players. Yeah. Absolutely. Because right now, I mean, uh, boy. Boy, that's a great question that we can debate as the season moves along. Because <laughs> right now... Toss a coin, Dreisaitl, McDavid, or Pasternak as far yeah. as MVP. They're playing at such high levels, levels that we haven't seen in a while in the NHL.
1: Number three here from Sports Illustrated,
2: the St. Louis Blues. Man, this is identical. They have, you have
1: the same one, Oh,
2: huh? man. Uh, no cup slump. Boy, I hate to say this. I'm sorry, Stars fan Strong has built this team. Yeah, he built it in here, too. I know. I just can't get no, over it. No, I get it. I, you know, I get it. You know what? I need it. Right of Missouri during the Rangers. Like, I went to St. Louis a couple years ago. The, the, the fans are super into the game. Yeah. Which, they were super knowledgeable. They were in their seats to start the period, and uh, they were really nice. And I wanted to hate them, but I ended up loving the trip. I hate their their power play
1: thing that they did. They did it in Dallas the other night when they would go on the power play. They do this little, like, hand motion thing where they put both of their, like, Basically they they curl both of their forearms up and then they go up and down to the left two times and then to the right two times and then to yeah. the left and it goes to the Mortal Kombat theme and it it just irrationally really makes me mad. Yep. Number 4 on the Sports Illustrated NHL Power Rankings, they have the
2: Colorado Avalanche. They're getting there. Uh I have them on my list but not at number 4. Okay, who do you have at number 4? I don't think the New York Islanders deserve to drop that far down. Uh they have a, you know, they lost the other night. But they have 11 wins at home. It's like a stadium and place that was supposed to be a non home, you know, ice advantage is turning out to be a home ice advantage. Yeah. And Barry Trotz is turning out to be a home ice advantage. I just think they're, you know, solid. If the caps weren't in the Metro, they'd be running away with first place. But, you know, the caps are. Just playing so well right now, so I don't want people to forget about the New York Islanders, who coincidentally yeah. are in town on Saturday night. They sure, are. I would encourage Stars fans to head out to that game, and you're going to see a real solid NHL team. It's going to be a tester for the Stars.
1: Number five is where Sports Illustrated has the New York
2: Islanders. Am I allowed to f- tie? Sure, yeah, you've okay. have yeah, done it before. Cool, cool. It's your list. All right, Hockey Hawk has a tie at number five between the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers. So as I mentioned earlier in this podcast, Sports Illustrated has the Oilers at six. Okay, all right. So So, you guys are thinking the same thing. Yep. Uh, You see him because he's in the division, but he might not be that name that you recognize yet. Miko Rantanen is just an outstanding NHL player. Mm. Gabriel Landeskog, who's been a Colorado fixture for years, is back and healthy. So now all of a sudden we're looking at McKinnon. Landis Gog and Rantanen. Rantanen and notched four points in his return
1: during yeah, the 7-3 game against the yeah, Blackhawks.
2: Wow. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, Kale McCarr. Love him. The product out of University of Massachusetts. Uh, just a great defenseman. Uh, you know, it was really interesting. He was featured on Hockey Night in Canada uh, a few weeks back. And, you know, talked about, and he's just been steady Eddie and has always known that he wanted to play in the NHL. And, like, they asked him about excitement, and he's just like, I'm just a guy who just stays neutral the whole time. I just thought it was yeah. real cool. He's like he's like a businessman on the ice, and I think that you know all signs point to him having an amazing career. So I have them tied with Edmonton just because it's tough to say Edmonton can't be in the top five. I mean, right. they're still leading their division, and we just listed off two different guys
1: they have that could compete for the MVP.
2: Yeah, Mick McDavid. They also have two guys in the top ten in block shots. One of those guys is Chris Russell. I was gonna ask. I figured. I figured because I remember when the Stars acquired him
1: from the Calgary Flames three years ago. Now, love that him. was like the big thing was. Hey, this guy blocks a ton of shots. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't. Sometimes you just don't fit, and yeah. uh, I thought Chris Russell did some good things with the Stars, but you know, it takes time when you get traded, and uh, you know, it just. Wasn't a big enough fit for them to re-sign him, and you know Chris Russell was a guy that really had to fight to get on a team. Yeah, it took a while. It took a while, and now he's back, and I'm I'm happy for him. Uh, Darnell Nurse has turned into a terrific defenseman. Um, he was one of their top picks a few years back, and he's playing real well. And the other name um, that you really got to look at, I mean, they got a really good blue line. And that's one of the things that Dave Tippett has brought in, not just, uh, you know, the offensive mindset, because as we mentioned in previous podcasts was with the LA Kings and ran their power play before coming to Dallas and kind of got that Dave Tippett only coaches defense and right. he was an offensive coach. Um, so he's got them playing much better team defense, but uh, Oscar Kleffbaum is a terrific defenseman for Edmonton. Adam Larson, who got traded from New Jersey the Taylor Taylor Hall. Hall. So, I mean, you add up, those are four really good defensemen on the blue line for Edmonton.
1: Now, we always do this. It's become a tradition. Where do you think Sports Illustrated has the Dallas Stars ranked on
2: their NHL power rankings? Hockey Hawk always, you know, I don't want to talk in third person. <laughs> I always have um, the up to the minute drop. So they might have written this previously. I think they
1: wrote. I think they wrote this last
2: night. Okay, so I'm dropping the stars. I'm going to drop them to about 14th or 15th.
1: They have the Dallas Stars at number nine. Okay, they said the Stars lost four consecutive games after reeling off a 14-1-1 record. That's still just surreal to read mm-hmm. that. With Dallas season saved, it's time to find consistent scoring from Sagan, Radulov, and Jamie Benn, which, what we've been talking about. um, It's frustrating to see, you know, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan had this one six-game stretch where they were awesome, and then people started, oh, they're not getting enough production from their top guys. Well, if you look at the whole body of work and not just this one little stretch of six games, they have not been getting enough, uh, enough offense from their top guns that they need to be able to, you know... Make a push into the playoffs, and you know try to, try to shoot for one of those uh, one of those divisional spots. You know, yeah. where you're facing the second place team. Because, I mean, I whether it's Colorado or Winnipeg or the Blues or whoever ends up in that top spot, I I don't want to play.
2: And when you look at locked in contracts, Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, yeah, extremely tough to move. Alexander, Alexander Radulov, anywhere. two years left, and Joe Pavelski, two years left. Yeah. So, those are your top contracts, and if you look at players that are underperforming, those four would probably be at the top.
1: Yeah. Well, the good news is it's still pretty early in the season, and your Dallas Stars still sit in a wild card spot as we speak, and they're only one couple points back from second place in their division. So there's still plenty of time to get this thing turned around. As we just saw, they went on a 14-1-1 streak. Um, they're a streaky team. Hopefully they get back headed the right way here pretty quickly.
2: So since Shippy will probably do it for me, I'll be at the Stars game tomorrow night and I'll be buying free Frosties. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you don't know, my partner in crime a couple of weeks ago <laughs> tweeted out that, hey everyone, come meet GJ Spittle <laughs> and I and we'll, he'll be buying free Frosties for everybody. <laughs> oh and, my uh, gosh. We, we had a nice crowd on him. <laughs> let's yeah, just we say sh- that. We sure
1: did. Yeah, yeah. And,
2: and my, a lot of them too
1: were like, I didn't even see your tweet. And I was like, yeah, like, can you tell Can you tell him that? Because like, I tweeted that, and then I saw you, and you're like, yeah, man, thanks for throwing that out there. I haven't been doing this for a while. And I was like, oh, man. Well, I was trying to figure out a creative way to say, hey, come hang out with me and the hockey hawk, yeah. and then throw out, the, throw out the Frosty thing. But now we have it on record here. Do we have it on, on record? On the Sweaters Forever podcast. Yes. Gavin Spittle was the one that offered that. I am um,
2: buying Frosties tomorrow night as a thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate it. Stick tap to you.
1: Yes, sir. So make sure you go hang out with the Hockey Hawk uh, tomorrow night at the Dallas Stars game. Unfortunately, I have uh, a prior uh, event tomorrow night, so I won't be able to go to the game tomorrow, but I'll be at the AAC as soon as possible.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for those wondering, if you're listening to this, yeah, go check out one of our uh, Cowboys watch parties, too. Yes. Always, you know, want to promote and... Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's real cool. So we'll have some great upcoming guests. We're going to add guests to the mix and stuff like that. So this will continue to expand. And we truly appreciate it. Can't wait for the trade deadline to talk about all the teams and break down the rest of the NHL. And guys, thank you so much. Please pass it on to our friend. Give us a uh, five-star rating if you can. And uh, let's keep this uh, train moving.
1: All right, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of the Sweaters Forever podcast. For Gavin Spittle at GJ Spittle on Twitter, the Hockey Hawk, and for myself, Shippy from the KNC Masterpiece at Shippy Fun Sports on Twitter. We appreciate you guys listening to this, subscribing, and doing all that good stuff. And until next week, we love you.